Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. For the next two weeks, we are taking a break from Ephesians for messages highlighting Christmas. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we will be listening to a message by Pastor Harris from December 19, 2021. This message was first taught to us by the Apostle John in the first chapter of his gospel, beginning with verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him. Please listen to Jim as he gives us today's slice of this week's message entitled, The Word Made Flesh. We at Heritage Bible Church wish you all a merry, Christ-centered Christmas. Well, it's the Sunday before Christmas. It is our tradition on that Sunday each year to step aside from whatever we are doing, and we'll step aside from Ephesians this year. We turn there in a couple of weeks. I usually do a Christmas message and then a New Year message, so you can look forward to that uh, next week. Now, the event that we're celebrating this time of year, every year, is recorded in uh, the most detail for us in the Gospel of Luke, second most detail in Matthew. Mark doesn't even mention it, and then we're going to look at John. But here's the events that happened on earth that we are so familiar with. Let me read it to you, as I love to every Christmas Sunday this year. We'll do it from the New Legacy Standard Bible, very similar to what you're used to. Now, it happened that in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus for a census to be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was going to be registered for the census, each to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was betrothed to him and was with child. Now it happened that while they were there, the days were fulfilled for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the guest room. In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, 
Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased. And it happened that when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it marveled at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary was treasuring all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. Oh, what a, what a marvelous scene. When we were last in, um, in Israel, uh, that scene caught me off guard more than any others. And the other times I'd been there, I'd never gone to just the place where it's the plains outside of Bethlehem and not much going on, just, you know, and you could see some sheep over here and some sheep over there and the little shack here and Bethlehem is just around the corner over there. And it just struck me to imagine that at night, pitch dark, and a glorious angel appears. And then he calls for backup and a host of angels appear, just lighting that whole place. Can you imagine? That, my friends, was the infinite God invading our finite world. When that happens, we cannot fully comprehend all the details. All we can do, and it's what we must do, is to chronicle what takes place and to receive it by faith. Something that is beyond explanation in the natural world, something that doesn't obey the laws of physics and chemistry and logic, that's called a, a miracle. And this passage that we're going to look at this morning is the inspired explanation of the greatest miracle since creation. The reason many people reject miracles is that they can't comprehend how they can happen. Well, that's the definition of a miracle. If you can comprehend it, you can explain it, well, then it isn't a miracle. If an event defies the laws of physics and chemistry, some people conclude, well, <clears throat> that didn't really happen. That was, just, that was just some sort of an illusion. And the tragedy of that mindset is that it, it, it prevents a person from eternal life. It prevents a person from finding the only thing that can save us from the penalty for our sins. It reflects the ultimate pride that attitude, if I can't explain it, it must not be true. And that's the prevailing attitude of our world in our age. God calls it pride because it exalts man over God. I will be the judge of what can and can't happen, what did and didn't happen, what's true and what's false. The humanistic philosophy says that if you can't understand something solely within the, brown, in the, within the bounds of reason and science, you have to reject it. 
In other words, you automatically reject without even consideration anything supernatural. And by holding to that fatally flawed view of the universe, denying that this physical universe has to have had a physical, has to have had a creator to bring it into existence, when you think that way, men and women condemn themselves to eternity apart from God because our salvation depends upon the miracle of the birth of Jesus Christ. Well, and all the miracles He did, and the miracle of His resurrection, and the miracle of your new birth. It's all the work of God. So if you're going to make sense out of Christmas, you have to deal with the reality of the birth of Jesus Christ. And if you're going to make any sense of why that birth was significant, you're quickly going to have to deal with the supernatural and a whole bunch of miracles. The event before us is what we call Christmas. Yeah, I wish that wasn't the name of it, but it is. We get it. We understand. The most important subject that we can ponder this time of year is the incarnation of Jesus Christ. What does incarnation mean? Well, it means the enfleshment, chili con carne, chili with, well, flesh, meat, okay? Jesus took on humanity. God became man. Jesus is the God-man. He is fully God and fully human at the same time. And today we're going to look at Jesus becoming man, not by poking around and checking in with the angels and the shepherds and the magi and the wicked kings and hunting for where the manger might have been. Instead, we're going to seek to understand God's eternal purpose for all the events that we associate with Christmas. John hints at what you should do because the Word became flesh. We're going to look today at John's, the Apostle John's inspired explanation of Luke 2, 1 through 20. It's John chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. Because the Word came flesh, you should behold His glory, receive His grace, and understand God. Many Bible commentators believe that John 1.14 is the most important or the, the, the greatest verse in the Bible. Now, you might be saying, well, ah, no, my John 3.16 can beat up your John 1.14. Okay, they're both really important. But the whole gospel of John is summarized in his prelude. That's verses 1 through 18 of chapter 1. The, the, the prelude, or the pr- prologue, I should have said, not prelude, the, the prologue is summarized in verses 14 through 18, that's our text, and verse 14 is the summary of the prologue. Here it is, John 1, 14. And the Word became flesh. What Word? Well, he's assuming you read verses 1 through 13. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This says God became flesh. Second person of the Trinity became flesh. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, And we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John says, this one, Jesus Christ, became flesh. Now, as as John put this together, and he was guided by the Holy Spirit, of course, but he wrote with great precision in order to very specifically guard the sound doctrine of Jesus Christ. The word became is a word that means that came to be. The Word, which already was, came to be flesh. He did not cease to be what He was before. He didn't stop being what He was. He didn't stop being the Word and start being flesh. The Word took on flesh. That's what it means. 
He came to be something new by taking on humanity. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.